Um, okay. I think we're ready. Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And we're back. Welcome back. Thank you very much. To your native homeland. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I like... I like Europe. All right, where were you first? Okay. I was in Italy. We went to uh, two places in it. Well, we stayed two different places in Italy. And then we went to Maker Central in the UK. I'd never been to Italy before. I'd never been into Europe. I'd only been to the UK before. You went to the mainland. I liked it. Yeah? A lot. Good. But, but at the same time, I was like Jones and to be back. Like, Why? To the States. You know, I'm not you miss sure. miss air conditioning that much? Uh, no, actually, we didn't need air conditioning the entire time. It was beautiful. The weather was fantastic. Um, it rained a whole lot, like, right when we got there, which I enjoy rain, so it wasn't a big deal to me. But uh, I don't know. Like, I think it's just familiarity. Like, I like trying new things. Mm. I like going to new places. But it's tiring, you know. Especially the big thing for me was language, I think. Well, I, how was your Duolingo education? I, I felt that a lot. So we started uh, about a month before we left. We started doing Duolingo to learn Italian, just some basics or whatever. And I don't know, like I was learning a fair amount, but nothing that would be useful. Really? <laughs> it was you like, didn't order a lot of gelato and butter? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know how to say coffee, which is an entirely different thing over you there. You didn't so that know was, how to say coffee? No, I did. Oh, okay. That was like one thing that was useful. Other than that, I know how to say shark. So Shark. That, that got me that really. Comes in handy. Yeah, they got me far. <laughs> and uh, elephant and snake and, you know, a bunch of mm. They apparently they apparently teach you language like you would learn it as a child, which makes sense. But I think if you're for a crash course, yeah, if you're traveling, who cares? Uh, You need to know how to say bathroom and different types of food. And food was pretty far into the thing. So I learned uh, some of the basics going into it, and I wasn't super confident. But I was like, yeah, I'm starting to get the pronunciations down a little bit. And then when I got over there, it was like, nope, I'm I'm ill prepared. Yep. Now, luckily, every, pretty much everybody that we encountered spoke English, and it was fine. And everybody was really gracious about me not knowing the language. But I think I figured something out several days into Italy. And we were there for, like, five days. Where were you in Italy? So we flew into uh, Venice, which I have a problem with the naming as well. The, like it being named Venice? Yeah. Would you rather name Seattle? Not, it's not called Venice. Okay. It's like Venetia or something like that. There's all these names mm, that are actual gotcha. Italian names for the cities. Roma. It's called Roma. It's yeah. not Rome. Yeah, I, I never understood that. That it irritates me. I don't um Yeah. It's not my land, but it irritates me that like these beautiful places that have been around way longer than us. Well, America anyway. And we just like, well, we should call it Milan instead of Milano cuz you know, so that is that's like, a very what? interesting point, and it's kind of rampant throughout the continent. So Germany, if you're in Germany, they call it Deutschland. If right. you speak French, they call it Almania, and then you're in speaking English, they call it Germany. It's like this: you're throwing darts at three separate dartboards there. Yeah, like I'm sure that there are some very educated scholars that can explain very eloquently why the name is has such a disparity across languages. But I never got that. It's like someone was very spiteful. It was like, no, I don't want to call you Bob. You look like a Jane. So your name's just going to be Jane. From now on, you're Jane. Check out Jane. (laughs) That's what it feels like because 
you know, like I understand like from language to language, there's some things that are not as natural to say. There's sounds that don't come as natural as naturally. And so maybe that's part of it, but Italian feels very like it's flowy mm-hmm. and it, it like works together and it's more consistent than English and stuff. Like, why would you not call like putting an, and a vowel sound at the end of every word. Cool. That makes it easier. And so, like, why would it be called Milan instead of Milano yeah. or Verona? Sounds really nice. That's like a beautiful, you know, they call that one Verona. They didn't change that one. But, <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, but some of the other ones. So, anyway, we, we flew into Venetia. Venice, I think that's how you say it. But in Venice. We stayed in uh, Vicenza. Which is where some friends of ours. Beautiful place, Vincent. Yeah. Uh, we stayed there. There's an army base there, and our friends are stationed there. So we it's stayed with Air them. Force Base. Okay. Really? Was it army? Uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway. Aviano Air Force Base. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, so there's a base there. Yep. And uh, we stayed in town uh, with our friends, and they drove us. So we spent an afternoon in Venice walking around in the rain, but it was pretty cool. And then they drove us into Verona one day, which I really like. Verona was cool. It just, like, had a cool vibe. Saw the uh, Colosseum. Didn't get to go into it, but that was just kind of neat to see a Colosseum. So there was a bunch of places we didn't get to go, obviously. I'd like to go to Rome and Florence, and I've heard Florence is beautiful. My wife really likes Florence. And so we were there, and then we took a train, which was a little nerve-wracking. Why? Uh, Just not... A bunch of stuff. We missed one because of something out of our control, and then uh, they were just somebody signed a piece of paper and I'm like, yeah, just go get on that train and find the conductor and tell him they'll find you a seat. Find the conductor, and I'm like, oh, okay. What am I looking for? And they're like, just go. You'll, you'll find <laughs> the so conductor is usually the person who takes care of the affairs. For apparently, <laughs> it's all the same person. So we get on this train, and there's a dude who looks like a conductor. Actually, he looks like a cartoon character conductor, but whatever. So we tried to follow him as the plane, as the train was boarding. We tried to like get his attention and he was trying to answer, but he couldn't be super helpful. He was like, I have to drive the train. Yeah. And then just like, like that should be his primary duty, not concierge type work. Yeah. And so we basically just, I don't know, let's just sit down and see if they kick us off. (laughs) So we sat down and we were waiting for somebody to come, you know, ask for their seat. And we were just kind of on edge for two and a half hours while we were on this train. And then finally... Near then, like the last thirty minutes or so, he starts walking through the. Uh, oh, there's other sketchy stuff that happened on the train too. He starts walking through, and is looking at tickets. And we were like, I don't know if we're. We finally got to talk to him. I don't know if we're in the right seat. We have this piece of paper, and he was like, Oh yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And just like walked on. I'm like, oh, man, come on. This would have been more enjoyable. <laughs> the thing that made it not enjoyable up to that point, though, there was this group of guys that got on when we did, and they very obviously didn't have tickets. And I don't know. It was fine, but it was sketchy. And mm. they were like, dude sits down with like four cell phones and answers cell phones in order, speaking at least four languages, maybe more. Wow. And there were two other guys at the front and the back of that train car on watch, like in case the conductor came through. Hmm. And so they were constantly like up and down and shifting and somebody was over here and then they would all move to the next car and then they would all come back and they would leave their bags on the rack and leave. And I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Man. But they got off before we did. So that was nice and a relief when they all left and all their bags went with them. Uh, 
it was interesting. But we got there, and then we went to uh, near Elasio, and uh, Jocko picked us up, and we hung out with him for several days, and that was a blast. We had so much fun. Uh, he's super cool, and I mean, I knew him a little bit from before, but never really spent any time with Your him. Internet buddies, yeah. yeah. And now we're like buddy buddies. Aww. You know, that was cool. Did you guys sign the contract? We we like uh, pinky swore oh, on okay. some stuff, so that's like basically the same thing. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, uh, and he just took care of us. Like he got us a hotel, and then ended up he prepaid for it, so we couldn't pay for it, which was really awesome of him. And um, you know, took us out to dinner and a bunch of places, and we had a really really great time there. But I learned something about the whole language thing while we were there. I realized when I was studying the language ahead of time, just studying is a nice way to say that I barely knew what I was doing. <clears throat> There's a male and a female voice in the app. Mm-hmm. And so they talk to you in different sentences, different, and the band is very like this. You know, not, he doesn't sound like Dracula. Dracula? He sounds like okay. Italian. But he has this kind of very deep voice. And so I realized that I was like mimicking that. Oh, and then the woman funny. was kind of... A normal female voice. And so then I, when I went there and c- had the chance to speak, I'm like, am I going to speak in a, uh, like a stereotypical American version of Italian and totally offend these people? Gorlami. No, like what if, no, that's, that's the American. Mm-hmm. What if I go in and I'm like, because that feels like a stereotype. Turns yeah. out it's not a stereotype. That's, a that's how they talk. And hmm. And I, so I went into it with like a, I don't know if I should really try this because I feel like I'm going to offend these people that I'm trying not to offend. And they were super cool, but I just didn't have the like. Confidence. Yeah, the confidence to just like, I'm going to try to roll my R's and have the inflection that everybody has when yeah. they say the words because, but that's how they talk. And it was, it was really cool. And I actually learned a lot about the language just from being there and talking to them about, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, how you. Uh, how you pronounce certain things, I'd, I'd say like, well, this is a word that I don't understand because there's a G and an L together and they don't make either one of those sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so one thing that, that Jocko told me is that every word ends in a vowel sound. Hmm. And I hadn't really thought of that, but then it makes, once you understand that, you learn how to pronounce words that you've never seen before and get pretty close. Yeah. And so after I figured that and a couple other little things out, now, as I'm learning new words in the Duolingo app, I can kind of get the pronunciation right the first time, which feels good. Like yeah. I'm, I'm learning something, you know. <clears throat> so, and I'm actually getting a little bit more confident. I'm still continuing to learn it, even though we're back. That's good. We're gonna stick with it, Jenny and I both, and we're gonna try to have some like calls and stuff with the with Jocko and his friends, so that we can practice a little bit. Because I, I think that's part of it is we didn't have a a way to physically practice. You know, like audibly practice oh, with yeah. someone conversationally because that's where you're really gonna understand it. Yeah, and usually that that style works very regionally. Like I I learned French. I took French for four years of high school, and I I thought I could speak it pretty well. And then living in Belgium, which is the the southern half of the country that we spoke or we lived in, spoke French, but they speak Belgian. So there are some words that are just completely not the same. It's it's still French, but it's regional. Oh, and it's the same huh. thing like in Kentucky versus New York or somewhere else. You call things kind of different words or you yes. slur words where you don't. You overemphasize things. And 
And so it was, it was really interesting academically understanding a language and being able to say it, you know, very pronounced. Like I will mm-hmm. attempt to say all of my words like this. And then speaking to someone, I, I remember this guy was talking about someone and he kept saying, le pain, le pain. I'm like, le pain, the bread. Yeah. I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> He's the bread. And it's an old man and he was talking about a rabbit. And rabbit is le pain. But I was taught that every noun has to have an article. So the rabbit or oh, some this or some is. And gotcha. so like the those basic like this is how you speak and these are the ways that you put together words to form sentences in our language. And just like here, it's it's still slang or some people are lazy about the way that they speak. And yeah. so when you speak to certain people regionally, <clears throat> your academic learning uh, kind of puts you at a disadvantage. Because yeah. I remember I'm like – this is this is not the way you form a sentence. I don't understand. I'm missing a piece yeah. or I'm overthinking what this person was saying. But going back to like you being intimidated, I have found, it's been my experience that people really appreciate the effort of you mm. trying, whether or not you like nail it or you may sound stereotypical or whatever. Yeah. They might get a little giggle out of it. And it's the same thing if someone were to try to speak English. And, and that's what I thought about. Yeah, yeah. Several times I was like, imagine if somebody was speaking to me in broken English and trying to figure it out, I wouldn't think twice about like yeah, you, that they're you bad You give them grace yeah. for even yeah. the attempt. And it's the same thing everywhere. And yeah. that's what bugged me about my, my Southern family back home. They're like, French people are mean. I'm like, they're not mean. You're just really ethnocentric and you don't care about trying to speak someone else's language. You expect people to cater to you. Mm-hmm. And I found that people were super warm and helpful and they would show pity and show that grace. They're like, you're, you're trying. They're like, Calm down, little baby. Let me help you with this word. <laughs> and then it usually bridged kind yeah. of the gap. Yeah. Totally. It took the tension off the situation when you're like, I'm new and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It was it was the most insecure I've felt. I mean, I'm a fairly secure person. Like I, I know I don't have everything together, but I don't it that doesn't bother me. And I'm okay to be at a disadvantage in most situations. I but I felt really insecure hmm. about the language thing. And I think I would have enjoyed the entire trip a little bit more. If I had had some confidence in that, but well, there were people that would come to Belgium, and I mean, <clears throat> my first experience actually putting my academic knowledge into place, I looked like a fool, like a straight up fool. Did I tell you that story? I don't know. I don't know I've said that story. I mean, so, you've told me a lot of stories where you sound like a fool. I, I have many of them. <laughs> um, so I went four years into speaking French. I can speak it. It's time to go to a place where people actually do this. It's not Madame Lanou in the panhandle of Florida judging my my <laughs> pronunciation. So we get off the plane with my American counterpart, drove us onto the NATO base, which everybody on the NATO base spoke French because they're Belgian and that's what they do. And I had to go to the bathroom and the nearest place in the bathroom was at this bookstore. So we go into the bookstore and I'm like, it is go time. It's just me, my counterpart, doesn't know how to speak French. My wife doesn't know how to speak French. I'm like, it's time to shine. So I go in, like, bonjour, madame. And she's like, oh, bonjour. I'm like, oui, la salle de bain. I'm like, where's the bathroom? And she kind of gives me this kind of half perplexed look. She's like, oh, okay. And she like walks me over. I'm like, bing pot. Totally worked. (laughs) Bing pot. (laughs) Absolutely works. And so she walks me over to like these home renovation ideas for like your bathroom in the bookstore. I'm like, um. I'm like, oh, that's right. My bad. The salle de bain is the the room in your house that has the bathtub. I'm like, that's different than a public place to use the restroom. Mm. I'm like, oh, pardon, pardon. I'm like, oui, la toilette. She's like, oh, la toilette. I'm like, there we go. We're clicking. I made my mistake, but I recovered. Now we're on it. 
And she walks me over to this other place. I'm like, there we go. We're going to the bathroom. All is good. And she hands me the, the Twilight books, the books with the little teenage vampires and crap in it. I'm like, hold on. What? What? Twilight? 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 What? Hold on. And she's like, yeah, like insistingly, like kind of hand me this book. Like, here you go. People uh, must love this book. Here you go, man. Now I just want to get uh, a Twilight and, back like, and put it in the bathroom. Uh, and then you just default. <laughs> To the dumbest Neanderthal style where hand you just signals. like hand signals and pointing at stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. The, the, the uh, toilet. Pointing and the at voice, my... like pointing at my crotch. Saying and, it louder. And my pan animal, the toilet. She was like, oh, yes, the toilet is this way. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I did it right. And she's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Have a good day. And I'm like, no, dang it. Like, <laughs> this was a successful encounter. <laughs> and I walked out just like beet red. Yeah. And I'm like, well. It's all uphill from here or downhill from here. Like I can't get any worse than mm. looking like an idiot at the lady at the bookstore. And I eventually <laughs> got to the point where it became like you start thinking in another language, but it takes mm. so much confidence in so many situations where you're really humble. Yeah. We had a little general store like a block from our house and I would exchange English and French lessons with the lady who owned the store. And hmm. one of the easiest things and the most humble is, is kiss, kiss, say. like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So like I know what that it's a banana or a whatever, and she would tell me what it was in French. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's just it's vocabulary building rather than like conjugating verbs and yeah, masculine feminists. Right, it's right. identifying table or toilet or car, and so I I felt that that stuff um, as a non language speaker or non native language speaker was so much more important than nailing the masculine and feminine or right. the exact proper yeah. conjugation of verbs. Yeah, you know because. Uh, is it two or vu? I'm like, well, at that point, it doesn't matter if I don't yeah. know what I'm trying to ask you for. If you poop in the middle of the bookstore, it doesn't matter <laughs> that, if you were polite about it. Yeah, that frowned upon, I think. Title. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. good. so were yeah. you, throwing back to a previous conversation, were you able to relax? Did you enjoy your vacation for a vacation? I did uh, for the majority of it, yeah. I, I was starting to feel itchy. Uh, you know, like I want to like bed do, bug itchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's bed bugs everywhere. No, uh, just like idle hands. Mm. You know, but we had f- we had fun. I mean, again, like last year, it was a time for Jenny and I to just get away and like spend some time together. And we were with other people a lot more than we were last year because last year we were in London for the week by ourselves. We didn't know anybody. This time we were with staying with people that we knew most of the time. Um. But yeah, we just had I had a lot of fun and it was nice to kind of check out the internet was terrible, so I couldn't good excuse. I couldn't default to like check my phone because I knew it was like worthless to like, you know, give it yeah. a shot a lot of the time. Um and I didn't make effort to like pay extra money to get better to internet or any of that stuff. So that was kind of good. But yeah, I was able to relax. And I think it was a little bit harder towards the end of the trip. You know, to because it was kind of a work thing at Maker Central. How so? Well, I mean, we were meeting people who watched the videos and mm. um, had to be on a little bit more. You know, just like aware and a lot of conversation and a lot of like staying up, hanging out with people in the hotel lobby because it's our chance to hang out with people we don't see very often, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I did relax, and it was good. I think to have some. Some idle time, force myself to read some books that I've been wanting to read and like oh, do good. some planning and thinking through 
future stuff. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was really well, I'm happy for you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was nice. We needed it for sure. I needed it. Um, there was something else I was going to say a minute ago. Uh, oh, I lost it. It was like a whole a whole tangent. Internet. Uh, Idle hand. It was language. It was something around language. Um, I don't know. I hung out with Jocko at his shop for a long time. That place is unbelievable. Yeah? Unbelievable. It's huge, for one. <clears throat> it's just full of stuff. Like, it was so big. He sent me a picture of that. When he first got it, before he like publicly announced it, and it was empty. Yeah, I remember seeing that picture. Yeah, it's just like this giant empty space, and they've you know bought all these big machines, uh, and then they bought like an auction, so they have like it's like boxes of motorcycles and light panels. Yeah. And <laughs> you didn't bring me a scooter, man. <laughs> yeah, he's. I don't think it would be worthwhile to ship those over here. Pretty sure they're like full on motorcycles. They're not scooters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've talked to him about it. Okay, I'm like, well, yo. You can dibs on one of them scooters, and he kind of giggled. And I'm like, I don't know why it's so funny. You can handle shipping it. Dunzo. I mean, because there's several of them. But it's funny because, you know, initially in that picture, it was empty, and now it is almost full. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, not not full, but especially the downstairs. And a lot of it, the stuff they're going to sell off and things like that, it's not organized yet. They have so much work ahead of them to make turn it into, like, the functional kind of playground that they want it to be. But it's inspiring and really cool to see it in the state it is now and to know him and how his team is kind of like building things out and organizing things. And it's going to be one of those places that like people are begging to go to and and Hmm. play in because it's really impressive. And so like there's there's a hill behind it that goes just up and... He doesn't know what's at the top of the hill. <laughs> He's never <laughs> been all the way up. And so we went out. Does he own that hill? He owns some of it. He's okay. not really sure how far up. But it just goes, and there's nothing up there that you know anybody can get to. So we went for a little hike. We climbed up this hill. It's kind of steep. It's kind of hard to get up. There's not a good path. But as we're going up, there's like these little stacks of rocks. And he's like, oh, yeah, these are walls. And there was some word for him. I don't remember what it was. Um. He's like, yeah, there's these walls are all up here, and this is what they did, you know, a few hundred years ago as a retaining wall to like keep this from falling down. I'm like, dude, there's there's probably like a castle on top of this hill. Mm. Like, we need to keep going up this hill to see what's up there. And so we went kind of as far as we could get within reason, and found more of these little walls and stuff. But we didn't make it all the way up, so who knows what's up there? But he also said there's wild boar that run around uh, up there, and. I don't know. It was really cool. A lot of bees. Yeah. Anthony would hate it. A lot of bees. Um, but we didn't, we talked about making something while we were there. We never really had a great idea. And then we ended up playing ping pong. That's fun. Like the, the whole time. I know how competitive you are at ping pong, so that must have been really fun uh, for you. It was great. We had a blast. And he's really competitive about it too. And he's really good. And he beat me at ping pong a whole lot. <laughs> and then... When we were on stage at Maker Central, uh, one of the last questions was him <laughs> coming up to ask me about how good he was at ping pong. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, but we had a blast. We had a really good time good. with him. And then so after that, we went to uh, – he, he drove us from 
his place to Nice, which isn't far. It was about an hour. And then we flew out of there up to Birmingham, and we apparently there was like a air traffic controller strike in France, so they canceled a bunch of flights. Mm-hmm. So we got rerouted. We ended up getting there. wasn't too big of a deal. But leaving uh, a couple days ago, they canceled all of our flights. They could only get us on the next day, so we ended up staying an extra day in the UK. And then on the way home, we got stuck in customs, missed a flight. They rerouted that one through two flights. Wow. So we got home about 30 hours after we were supposed to get home. <laughs> Which is this morning. <laughs> this morning at 1 a.m. That's that's weird that we've been up just having like a normal day, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that was this morning. Yeah, Yeah, we got about five hours of sleep last night. The world we live in right now. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, to travel that far. I mean, we went to the uh, UK to Amsterdam, Amsterdam, DC, Atlanta, and Louisville in a, in a 23 hours. Yep. That's cool. It's crazy. I remember a lot of flight time. I flew into Paris one time, and there is uh, not Charles de Gaulle, but there's another airport, and the name escapes me right now. But we flew in there with the helicopter, and that was the airfield that Charles Lindbergh landed in when he did the first transatlantic flight. Oh. And I remember just thinking, like, man, the leaps and bounds that have happened mm. from that moment to that being a thing to, like, what you just ex- explained. Like, yeah. That's so crazy. That is really crazy. And then, what day is now? Wednesday? I have no idea. Yep, exactly. In two days... You're going to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. And we're all going to get on a plane. And we're going to go out to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so while we're there, okay, I think this is, Anthony, it's the time to let him know that we booked you and Jenny a surprise trip to Tokyo. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not going to go. By way of Cairo. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and St. <So>, Petersburg. <laughs> and Antarctica. You might have a layover in <laughs> Brisbane. Brisbane. Oh, my goodness. I am really ready to not fly anymore for a very long time. What would you do on the plane? Uh, you write more books? No, didn't write any books. I uh, tried to read a book. Made some progress on it. Uh, watched a couple of movies. Tried to use Fusion to draw up a project that's coming up. And since there's no internet, I couldn't load any of my past projects. So mm. that was kind of a drag. And what else? Played some Angry Birds on the little screen in front of me <laughs> for about two minutes that was about it oh on the way over there uh because the flights got goofed up they separated jenny and i so the eight and a half hour flight we were like in different rows and i was in between a couple like people that were flying together yes they didn't want to sit together no it was a three seats in the middle like the middle of the row you know and middle of the plane yeah, and, hmm. and there were three of them. Oh, so they just both wanted some aisle? Yes, and Jenny had an aisle seat in the row in front. And I leaned back to the woman and I said, would you mind sw- switching with her so that I can sit in the middle and she can sit where you're sitting? And the woman looked at me in the eyes and said, pointed at her husband. She was like, no, we both want a row. I'm like, but you would still have a row. And, you know, we're boarding and everybody's like moving and pushing. And I was just like, what? So I sat down in the middle and then she and her husband put their headphones on, didn't interact with each other the entire flight. I'm like, what is the point of this? Like, I'm sitting in between these two people that obviously don't want to be near each other. So hmm. go further away from each Selfish. other. It was weird, but it, honestly, it shouldn't have. I should have let it go very quickly, but it, like, made me, like, 
oh man, I'm eight hours. I'm supposed to be talking to my wife. This is the beginning of my vacation with my wife. This mm-hmm. is like good conversation time. Mm-hmm. She's way up there. And I'm oh. stuck between two people that I'm now kind of angry at. <laughs> For no particular reason. They didn't do anything wrong. But Oh, but they did. It just like, it ate at me pretty much the entire thing. Oh. And then near the end of it, I was like talking to myself. Like, you got to get over this. Come on, don't be a child. Like, it's fine. And so... Uh, I did. But then the few times that they did try to talk to each other around me, I did not get out of the way. <laughs> lean I'm like, in their way. oh, look, I'm going to lean up and get my backpack for no particular reason. Oh, you're trying to talk? Oh, sorry about that. You should have sat by each other. I wonder how illegal <laughs> it is to whisper that you're an air marshal. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and that your air marshal agent trainee is in the next seat. So you, you know. Oh, okay. Ma'am, you need to get up. Or like, I'm transporting a prisoner. Can you please move over? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah. So that was a little mm. irritating, uh, but whatever. I'm an adult, so I'm, it didn't bother me. It mm. bothered me quite a bit. All right. Well, I, that's something that um, I'm going to have to face because my wife is on the flight to San Francisco with Anthony and I. Mm. And when we were booking tickets, so I took your advice okay. and I got the TSA pre-check, which mm. I'm pretty stoked about, which yeah. means you get to go through the kind of fast pass lane. Totally worthwhile. Uh, and it counts for anybody that you buy tickets for, like, at the same time. So I bought my ticket and Anthony's ticket, and then my wife, him hawed back and forth whether or not she was going to go. So she bought her ticket much later on on her own. Just happened to get on the same flight, which is amazing. Yeah, that's cool. But she doesn't have pre-check. So I'm going to peacock my way through that fast pass lane, hoping that – I mean, I don't wish this upon anybody, but I kind of hope we go there. And I'm like zipping through really fast. So I'm like, you should have just got the ticket. When I told you to get the ticket, you could have been up here five rows or whatever deep. Actually, you should probably take her with you through that lane and just say like, you know, we had to get our tickets separately, but she's with me. And they'll probably let her both let her go through pre-check. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, mean, I could just, ooh, and I could whisper really close and go, help me. <laughs> just watch it play out. <laughs> She's not a terrorist, I promise. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that works out. Yeah, so we're all going to Bay Area Maker Fair this weekend. Yay. Uh, which I am excited about. I just wish it were not this weekend. <laughs> or in two days or whatever it is. Doesn't even feel like it's a, you know, it's it's soon. Um, What are you looking forward to at Maker Fair? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing all of our our buddies, all of our internet buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, uh, sorry, I asked you a question. And I'm going to interrupt you. I was sitting at dinner in England, mm-hmm. across from Paul Jackman, Jimmy, uh, Derek from Malden, if you know him, Jocko, Daniel from Sweden, Chris from Make Everything Shop, mm-hmm. and Jenny. And I was like, this is insane. Yep. Other than Jenny and I, I would never have met this people, uh, this group of people that I call friends. I would, you know, have personal good conversations with all these people. We met through the internet and we're in England together. What the heck is this world? It's so cool. And it was just like that feeling over and over and over all weekend because there were people from the entire world all in one place for one thing. It was super cool. Anyway. And that's what I love about Maker Fair. <clears throat> yeah. I absolutely love that. And not only is it just like getting to meet and like fanboy out, like 
it's to share what you're doing and to build up the rest of the world or community or right. individuals or I mean like look at this room right now like we are three random strangers mm-hmm. that have no understanding of each other before the internet uh, yeah that's true our backstory are, are completely independent <clears throat> I yeah. mean you and Forby have some history face to face but the three of us our our livelihoods of all of our families combined all depend on the silly relationship we had built on the internet yeah and that is so strange to try to tell people of a different generation. And I, mean, I was sitting, mm. I think it was like last Thanksgiving, uh, Tiffany's grand step grandfather, some, anyway, enter crotchety old man A <laughs> about how phones and the internets are like ruining a generation and how no one can have a real conversation with anybody anymore because it's just like polluting people's brains and people are getting lazy and all this. And I'm like, man. Hmm. That is such a narrow focus for someone who has never left this tiny one stoplight town. Yeah. I'm like, I can have a conversation. I can have the most meaningful, teary eyed, I can help you in the deepest level conversation with someone that I have never met in person who doesn't natively speak my same language. Yeah. Because we can relate on things that we've already ironed out. That's true. Anywhere in the world. And I can sell a product from my basement in my underwear <laughs> to someone in Antarctica. In their and, underwear. Exactly. And earn a living. Everybody's in their underwear. It's great, old people. You should get on board. <laughs> I imagine that that's, that's really my goal in old age anyway. Just being in your underwear. Sit around in my underwear and not have to deal with people. <laughs> Thank you, internet. Oh, yeah. It turns out that um, in England, when you say pants, it means underwear. Then what are your pants? Uh, trousers. Hmm. Yeah, so the whole time Jenny kept going, oh, I have pants, and she'd be like, oh, they think I'm mean underwear. It was really funny. She, I think she thought it was a bigger deal than like any of the English people that were around, but it was it was funny to hear. I seem to be missing a piece, and I'm kind of at an end. Uh-oh, I don't believe it. What are you working on? We never even talked oh, about this. Yeah. We have a new set. So this is one thing that is super strange about this work relationship that we have in this podcast. Um, you're gone out of the country. And so I'm here and Anthony's here and we're all holding down the fort and putting out content and making sure that the train keeps going. And I mean, that that's a given. But this podcast is a conversation that we have while we're doing something. And mm-hmm. the last couple, I've kind of run out of something to do. And you're like, just go get a model or go get a whatever. And something about that seems so very wrong. And like I'm doing something wrong. Here's like, some money. Go get something you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have the company credit card. So if we need to get project stuff or materials or whatever, we have things I can substantiate as legitimate, like business expenses. And this is a legitimate business expense. And that is bonkers. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. And so I'm like, I'm like, oh man, Bob is building this cool model. And I'm like, man, I really want to make a model of War Machine. And I want to paint it up to look like Punisher because I think that's awesome. And you're like, yeah, get a model kit. And I'm like, man, this model kit is kind of expensive. Like for me, not model kit is expensive for people who like model kits. It's right. expensive for me. Yeah. And it's a thing that is like a a toy, kinda. And or like these Lego sets. I'm like, man, I feel weird. And you're like, I'm giving you permission to go get it. Like, why don't you just go do it? You just kinda like, why haven't you done it already? And I'm like, because something about this feels like like Brenda from Legal is gonna like write me an email having me substantiate my expense reports. Little did you know, I am yeah. Brenda. So, like, yes, this is bonkers. But to answer your question, I am doing the appropriate, the San Francisco 
Uh, you know, I didn't even put it together that that's why you got that one. Is that why you got it? Yeah, and because it kind of looked cool. The architecture set. This is my first architecture set from Lego. They have some from, like, the Great Wall of China, from London, from Las Vegas, New York, a bunch of places. And so it has a bunch of key landmark areas from the city, all in one small kind of diorama. So it has buildings and the Golden Gate Bridge and Alcatraz and stuff. So that's the one I'm doing. Because we're going there in a couple days, and I thought it appropriate. Cool. And it wasn't crazy expensive, so I didn't feel too bad buying it. And then you're like, buy the thing, and I bought that War Machine model, and it's coming from China, and God knows when it's supposed to get here. Oh, yeah. 2020. Have fun. And they're not the pop-together ones. Like, I have to use glue. Ooh. kind of scared. That's a drag. That's going to take a long time. Well, there's... There's tons of Gundam suits that look awesome. Yeah. But I don't know anything about Gundam. It looks cool. I don't think you have to at this point. Like, for doing yeah. a model, you know? Right. I, mean? I can appreciate the model for what it looks like and for yeah. what it is and its style and design. But then there's part of me that's like, I'm going to pick one. I'm like, this one's cool. And they're like, that's the one that kills all of the babies. <laughs> like, you get the one that, you know, made all the pandas extinct or whatever. And so... I'm, <laughs> I'm really nervous about picking the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the way I look at it, we talked about it on here one time, right? We t- do you remember talking about Gundam and like anime a little bit? Long and time then ago? I'm like, yeah, so, I get real excited, but I, that's all I do because I really have no idea. Okay, so I after that, several people sent me links to like, oh, you should start with this show, or you should look at this one, or mm-hmm. whatever. And I watched maybe half of an episode of two or three different ones, and I'm like, I hate this. This is awful. <laughs> I love the robots. They look. Incredible, but the the screaming and shouting and giant eyes of anime, I it's just not my thing. Good for everybody that it's their thing, but it's not my thing. Uh, I wasn't drawn into the story at all because I didn't really understand what was happening in the things that I watched. So I, I just reserved. I like the robots, and I will stick with that because robots are super cool. Yeah, I A like robots in general. They yeah. just happen to be robots. So yeah. So I took that. I like this idea that it could be like a piece of military hardware in the future or whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, I dig that idea. I like how they take that concept and kind of move forward into fantasy. Yep. But again, I'm scared to make that leap because I have no idea oh, no. what any of the characters are. Um, yeah, so yeah. I stuck with Lego. And then I got the War Machine so I can turn it in to um, the Punisher. And like paint job, mm-hmm. and in there, I three D printed my own R two D two because you're making a giant one, and I don't have that kind of infrastructure or that time. So I found a model that uh, Seth Williams, cool listener that we know, sent me a link to this. Uh, I think it's like U.S. Water Rockets. I don't understand the the link between those two, but hmm. made a file and like a tutorial and all the pieces for an R two D two. So I printed it like 120 percent, and so I'm going to take that. With that Gundam-y kind of idea, and I'm imagining R2 if it were a piece of military equipment when I was in the Army. Oh. So, like, with all the helicopters, we had so many, like, advanced, like, test sets and uh, calibration items and, like, these toolboxes that we had to lug. I'm like, man, it would be crazy cool if I just had a little robot that had all of that stuff and just followed me around and went flying with me. Hmm. And if something happened in flight, homeboy could plug into the whatever port... And diagnose some stuff. That doesn't seem like that far-fetched of an idea. Yeah. And so my concept between 
behind my R2-D2 is if R2 were a piece of, like, nowadays military hardware. Hmm. That's cool. So he's painted up OD green right now. I'm going to put some accents and, like, add some cool little greeblies and widgets and stuff and, like, all the little cables that he had, like, the, the braided cables and stuff on the bottom on his oh, feet. yeah. yeah. I'm like, those kind of look like hydraulic pumps. So I'm going to paint them up like actual hydraulic pumps and like pieces of equipment that exist. Yeah. Kind of now. That's cool. So that's my take hmm. on it. So I don't know Gundam. <laughs> I get the concept. I think it's cool. So I'm going to apply that to something that I know and understand. Yeah. That didn't kill all the babies or pandas. <laughs> Save the day. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's cool. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing that how that turns out. There were speaking of R2, there were a few R2 units at Maker Central. There was a guy there last year. Had, oh, that snapped in. Oh, that's cool. I like when stuff fits together well. Uh, there was a guy there last year who had a Batmobile, a full size Batmobile. Did I tell you about this last year at Maker Central? Yeah. No. He does like. Um, I think my kids are coming into the garage, so. Um, he does effects and like practical effects and stuff for things. And he built this full size Batmobile. And I don't remember now if it was one of the ones from the movie or if it was like kind of his own. I feel like it was his own version, but I don't even remember what it looked like right now. He was back again this year with droids. And so he had like a Dalek from Doctor Who, uh, the little dog robot from Doctor Who, and like two or three R2 units, a few other things. And he had this big area. So one of the R2 units, I've got some pictures of it, and it looks really cool because it's a lot of the panels are missing, and so it's exposed. You can see all the stuff on the inside. Mm-hmm. But the eye up top, the radar eye, has a projector in it. Mm. And I could see it at a distance, but I couldn't see what it was projecting. And as I walked up, I put my hand in front of it, and as soon as I did that, he was like, oh, you know what that is? I'm like, no. He's like, that's a laser grid because it's mapping the 3D space in front of it. I'm like, what? Whoa. It can, it's autonomous. Ooh, like the Roomba. Yeah. But it can follow him around. He just like puts it in auto mode. Hmm. And like, I think he puts something on his back. I was thinking a little IR or something. Yeah, something. Okay. But it, it's fine. mapping Ooh. in real time the room to, I, who, who knows what resolution or anything. But it uses it to be able to like avoid objects and stuff. That's cool. And it can follow him around. He was like, yeah, they wouldn't let me do the auto stuff here for liability sake or whatever. So I can't really turn that on. But that's mm-hmm. what it was for. He was really excited about it. That somebody noticed the, the spread. Because when yep. you put your hand up, it's just like tons of little tiny green dots. Yeah. And so it's, mm. you know, it's hitting points and getting feedback and stuff. I thought that was super cool. And that was right at the very end of the day. So I didn't really get to spend any time talking to him. But. Well, I got that because I was researching Roombas yesterday because Anthony and I had to go to Best Buy and I was wandering around while he was talking to the Geek Squad by his computer and I, all the different, I say Roombas, but like all the different little circular vacuum-y kind of robot things caught my eye and hmm. yeah, I kind of want one. Yeah, I've always kind of wanted one too. They're very expensive though. Yeah, they are. Um, they're expensive and I feel like, I don't know this, but I feel like they would be prone to destruction. Destruction? <laughs> well, you know, like a kid steps on it and then it crushes it or it gets caught under a thing and burns a motor out. Or, I don't know. It just feels like I would probably destroy it somehow. Hmm. Maybe not. Um, what else? Did you say what you were looking forward to? Oh, look at that. Oh, That's at Maker so Fair. cool. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. Um, I have to <laughs> – I say have to. I volunteered – I'm giving three different talks at Maker Faire. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're going to Maker Faire and you need tickets, let me know because uh, I've got a bunch extra. <laughs> I have some as well. So I'm looking forward to that because, you know, I think it's cool. I'd like to talk. I think it's neat that people are interested in what we're doing and sharing the, the concepts and ideas behind the stuff that we do every day. Uh, I have one for the other podcasts I do, Making Geeks. There's the one that the four of us are doing. There's one that behind-the-scenes guys are doing. So it's 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 really cool. And I always love Maker Fair because I don't know what to expect or I don't know what I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually amazed by whatever it is. And so I'm looking forward to that kind of ignorant inspiration hmm. that I find very rejuvenating because – uh, like we talked about, like we feed the meter here. You know, we we got to keep we put out content. Content equals profit, and so it's really neat to see people that make things uh, just because they just wanted to share it. Yeah, or their techniques, or just some ideas that they have. That you know, th- seeing that thing combined with something I have in my head with something I've seen somewhere else equals something awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so I love the opportunity to be wowed by something that someone else is doing. And there's always something. There's at least yeah. one thing we'll just be like, what? Yeah. How is that? How in the world did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> there's always something. Uh, it's funny because this year you're doing more stuff than I'm doing. Do you know that? I'm only doing two mm. things, mm. which already feels overwhelming to me, <laughs> given how tired I am. But, yeah, so have fun with those three yeah, times. yeah, yeah. One of them, which we probably should have looked, the one for all four of us was happening much later in the day. Yeah. And we realized that it was going to get over at 5.30, and Anthony and I are leaving at 6.15 mm-hmm. from the airport. So we got that bumped up, which was kind of nice. But yeah, we probably should have looked at that a little closer before we started committing to things. Well, you know, I think you had your tickets far before the schedule, so that's not, not really something that we could have controlled. Got it. All right, um, what else we got? Didn't you say we had some pros and cons? Yes, we do. Thank you for oh, everybody. Before we get, while you're getting those out, go okay. ahead. I want to say thank you to everybody at Maker Central who came up and said that they enjoyed this podcast because there were quite a few people. That's awesome. And, and it, it makes was, my heart happy. It was really encouraging, you know, that there were people that specifically came up and said, you know, they love everything we're doing, but uh, they really enjoyed this for what it is. And there were, you know, different reasons why they liked it, and that was pretty cool. So, thank you guys. Good. I like it, too. Yeah. All right. Pros and cons. Okay. What you got? All right. Let's come to the No Instructions Instagram page. These are DMs that we got from people. Uh, These are a little old uh, because I honestly forgot that they were there. So. Cool. This is Ben W. Martins. Hey, Ben. Says he has four different topics. So, we'll do oatmeal raisin cookies. Con. Why? Not a fan. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Bro, oat, oatmeal's all right. I like oatmeal, I guess. I like raisins. They just don't feel like a cookie thing to me. Hmm. I mean, they're not terrible. It's not like I hate them, but just I would, there are many other cookies I would rather have if I had my choice. I like those flavors. There's a, a big movement. Like the, there's a pineapple on pizza set discussion <sighs> for raisins and cookies, <sighs> which again, I'm, I'm a pretty pragmatic or pragmatist about it. Like, I, it tastes good and I enjoy it. Hmm. I don't think too deep. Yeah, about I mean, it. you can be wrong about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my first time being wrong about that. All right, the next is Monopoly, the board game. Oh, um, hmm. That's tricky. 
I I'm gonna say pro. I like it. It is tedious. Every time I've ever played with Forby, he's won. So that kind of <laughs> makes me not a fan of it. One. So there's this thing about Forby. Hey Forby. Uh, there's this thing about Forby where he basically always wins board games. Hmm. Pretty much every time you play and video games. Pretty much every time you play Forby in something, he wins. Oh no, our motion sensor's gone. Oh, there it is. So, if the question is Monopoly with Forby, we'll say con. If it's Monopoly with anybody but Forby, I'll say bro. Literally anybody else. <laughs> I, I don't really like Monopoly. I think it's boring. Hmm. And uh, we played it with my son because uh, our friend Wes talked about how beneficial it was for his daughter to learn counting and things by like counting out the money and letting her be the banker. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And we did. But it's just like this game that would normally take several hours is is yeah. probably going to shoot to a week. Yeah. And uh, I don't have the... It is a tough one to play, play with kids who are young enough that that stuff takes a long time. Yeah, I think... But at the same time, you don't want to take their responsibility away from kids. So like let them count their own stuff and figure out how to pay for it. That's part of the learning. Um, but that just slows it down yep. a lot. Tremendously. So, yeah. And I mean, the, the bustling real estate market is not something that <laughs> is very tantalizing to me. It's, I don't know. It's fun. I think it gets more fun the further you get into it because the stakes become higher and because, you know, every role could be like your last one if you land on the wrong thing. But it takes so long to get to the point to where there's yes. danger around the board that it makes it it's harder to get to that point for, for yeah. people. So, um, the next one is hiking. Pro. Yeah, I am pro hiking also. Who would be con hiking? Some people don't like outside. Some people don't like to walk uphill. I get yeah, it. That's true. I love hiking. Well, I mean, you can hike downhill. You gotta get to the top of the hill before you can. Not necessarily. Unless there was like a trolley to bring you or a bus to bring you back up. What if you stopped it, started at the top of the hill and just hiked down? Then you have to get a bus to bring you back to the top, or you just live down there now. Yeah, that's fine. It's not like hiking and buses. It's hiking. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah, I enjoy hiking. Um, I don't do as much of it. I think I mostly like hiking in relation to something else. You know what I mean? Like you're going to a thing? Yeah. yeah. Not just to get out and go walk that way until you reach some trees? I don't think I would want to go hike in a circle. Like I just wouldn't Hmm. think about doing that. I would be like, hey, let's go hike to a thing that we enjoy midway, and then Mm -hmm. we hike back or something. Or like, um, I've had some friends who have done different parts of the Appalachian Trail. Yep. And that's cool because you're not, you're hiking point to point in segments, and then you go away and you do life and whatever, and then you come back to that same point. They're not and then through hike hikers? Them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which seems... I've hiked a couple chunks of the Appalachian Trail. amount of dedication. And I, I really like it. I've I never like done hiking. that. I would always like, I've always wanted to do the yeah. section. Not the whole thing, probably. But. I've... We found the trailhead uh, where it starts in Georgia. Um, my grandparents live in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, which is where, like, the Appalachian Trail Association was. So there's a big chunk that goes through that town. Mm. And so when I was a kid, we used to hike it a lot. When we were on the road, we found a couple pieces of that Appalachian Trail, random places, so we get off and hike for a couple hours. But, yeah, I've always, in one of these weird pipe dreams, always wanted to do the whole thing. Mm. And then, meh, I don't know. It would be cool to... Uh, that's a lot of time. Yeah, I just can't imagine, like, you know, deciding ahead of time to do that and then following through. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like it's a cool idea that you wouldn't ever actually complete. 
Um, kind of, well, kind of related. Have you ever seen Free Solo? Yep. I watched that on the plane on the way out there. I just remember this. I didn't remember it when you asked me that earlier. That, oh, yeah. Unreal. That movie is crazy. Unreal. It gives you that, like, that, that pucker kind of yeah. like, nope. Yeah. And, while you're in the seat at your own house. So if you don't know what we're talking about, it's a movie about the guy who did the very first free soloing of um, El Capitan. El Capitan, which is mountain in California. It's in Yosemite, right? Yeah, it's in Yosemite. Yeah, Alex like Honnold is his name. Yeah, the first person to ever do it. It talks about the dangers of uh, free soloing, which is no no ropes, no nets. No nothing. By yourself. N- and Naked on a rock. Yeah, and it shows like... Him practicing and going over, which I, I thought that that was kind of cool because you would think like, oh, you're just going to free solo. Like you're a mountain climber. Just go climb that mountain. Mm-hmm. But like it was over a year's time where he was practicing doing this. And then he had climbed that mountain with ropes some like a couple hundred times. Yeah. And so he knew exactly at which spots you would do which things. And it was very regimented. And I've never done a, I mean, I used to climb a bit, but I've never done anything close to a climb like that with ropes. I mean, but looking the way he described the route he was going to take at El Cap, it's basically like nine or ten separate giant climbs mm-hmm. stacked on top of each other with no break in between, yep. and you're doing it with no ropes. And, yeah, so when he would go test the sections out, he would do a small section to learn the moves, and he had it all in a notebook, and he was just, like, in his van that he lived in just, like, playing out the ballet yep. of it's this hand, you turn this way, you bend your knee this way, you push in, you you know, and he's like, it's a set of moves that you have to memorize over that many climbs. Yep. Plus weather, plus exhaustion, plus, ugh. It's crazy. And, like, he fell a couple times. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in that movie, he goes through some adversity. And it's a good story besides just a guy climbing a mountain. He starts dating this girl who wants him to be someone that he's not. And it, it's a really good story besides yeah. just the fact that a guy climbed a rock by himself. Like, yeah. It's it's compelling. And he's actually kind of compelling as a character because you can tell that he's not normal. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He's just, he's literally not a normal person. Yeah. He had, they did a CAT scan in the movie of his brain and he handles fear very differently. Than yeah, his, else. his amygdala doesn't respond the same as everybody <laughs> else. So his fear and aggression, because he's a super chill guy, yeah. are not the same as a regular person. And they're like, you don't get scared by things. And he was like, huh. I guess not. Interesting. Yeah, he was just real blase about most yeah. things. I mean, like he just had a very limited palette of emotion. <laughs> felt like, but it makes a lot of sense that someone like that could separate themselves a little bit from you. Kind of have to the terror because I don't know how you would do it otherwise. Because I was of, uncomfortable on my couch. To be honest, yeah, with. yeah. Like and the cinematography in that movie is amazing. Yeah, it was kind of bizarre. Like that there were people up there. On the same rocks. Obviously, they had safety and stuff on them, but they have cameras, and they're focusing on capturing him, not them surviving on a rock. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because it, it highlights, like, the people that shot the movie are, like, the world's best climbers. Yeah. So you can't just go out and go find a production company, and it's like, oh, hey, come with me to the side of this this mountain that people die on yeah. and uh, make a movie. Yeah. So it's this huge collective of people that are amazing at what they're doing. And they were making the movie, but also kind of characters in the movie, which I thought was yeah. kind of cool. It was good. I would definitely recommend it. Me too. It was, it was very good. All right. So last one on his list. There's another shorter list. Frozen pizza. As relative to... I don't think comparing to fresh pizza. Okay. But just like, how do you feel about it? If someone was going to make a frozen pizza, would you be opposed to it? No. 
No, I think. Um, Do you have a favorite? I'm type going. Of I'm going for the DiGiorno sponsorship here. Okay. okay. DiGiorno is actually pretty good frozen pizza for frozen pizza. See, for, other than that, I can't even think of like another brand that I would buy. I would always get that one because they they're good. So when I was in college, we had those little Totinos, the little round ones that would fit perfectly in a microwave. <laughs> That yeah. are super, that are like a dollar. Yeah. Got the little cube pepperoni things on them. That's what I think of when I think of frozen <laughs> pizza. Because a DiGiorno's one, like, that's a proper pizza size. And just that could be comparable to a pizza you would get from somewhere else. Yeah. So that distinction in my mind is like, it needs to be a thing that is technically pizza. <laughs> but in a, a once over, you would go like, that thing does not look anything like those other things. Right. Like that rectangle thing you used to get at school with the cheese and little cubes mm, of pepperoni. Yeah. Technically, that could be pizza. Technically. Right. So that's what I think of when I think of uh, frozen pizzas or microwave kind of pizzas. Hmm. I know you can get them really cheap when I was in college, and if you put enough hot sauce on it, it tastes pretty amazing. Hot sauce on pizza. I love hot sauce on pizza. Huh. I it takes bad pizza to awesome pizza. Yeah, I could see that. It covers up a lot of, or gives flavor. It where gives it a burst. Where yeah. the company didn't care to add it. <laughs> They're like, that's why it's 97 it's like, cents. Is because it's good enough. It's a food product. <laughs> like, don't don't expect too much. It's based on food. We don't have to put flavor to. Yeah. Add your own flavor. That's pretty funny. All right, another list. Let's do another list. We we're about an hour in, so we maybe do like one more. Okay. This is from our long cake on Instagram. Um one, two, three, four. Have we talked about roller coasters before? I don't I don't think so. Roller coasters. Pro. Uh, pro. Me too. I enjoy roller coasters. Do you get scared or do you enjoy the I thrill? mean, I get the feeling of yeah, that you know, the rush of danger or whatever, even though I'm never been like scared as in I'm worried about death or anything, I don't think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the rush of what if. <laughs> I get that worried about death. Because on on roller coasters, yeah, some of them. So oh. I had a bad experience. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah the the day that Tiff and I got engaged, we were at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. On I don't even remember. It was one you sit in and a little shoulder thing has come down and your feet dangle. And I was on the end, and you like you bring down the restraint and then you put the little seatbelt clip. Hmm. Well, we were going through some corkscrewy thing, and then the things popped forward, and my butt started sliding like out of the chair. Ooh. And I was on the end. And so I spent, and that was early. And I spent the whole rest of that roller coaster pushing myself back into the seat with my hands. Like I had enough room to get my whole arms in between my body and the, the pull down restraint thingy. And so I was using my forearms to prop me back oh, into wow. the seat. Like squeezing yourself back. Yeah. So the seat belt held. <laughs> and I remember the funniest thing, like we all got off and it was before I had actually proposed. And she was like, oh my God, that was so fun. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I was, she was like, are you okay? I'm like, I just pooped no, my pants a little bit. that was not okay. And went to go look at the pictures afterward and her and my two friends are like, yay. And I just like have this like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to die if I move my arms kind of moment. Yeah. So I like roller coasters. Um, I don't base all of them off of that one. Yeah. But I still have that. Like if I'm by myself, like if you have to be brave for someone, you're like, oh, this is going to be cool. Like that's something. But if I'm by myself, I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. That slow click up the hill, I hate that. I hate it it so much. So have you been to, have you ridden the Hulk one? Yes. Where it just just shoots you out of the beginning? All of them should do that. It's pretty awesome. It fakes you out. In case you've never ridden it, there's a hill in front of you at the very beginning. And you think, all right, this is the part where it clicks you up. And then you just blast off, shoot up the hill. 
That's pretty good. Out of a tunnel, which I thought was cool, too. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, so my friend Cameron, uh, when I was a kid, we went to Kings Island for a school trip or something. And um, he was always shorter than the rest of us in school. He was just a skinny kid and just small. And um, we went on one of those where it had the shoulder things, but he was so skinny that the full, like the further you could, furthest you could push it in was not even touching, like close to touching him. Mm -hmm. And for some reason they let him still go on it. I don't remember, but it was the same kind of thing. The entire ride, he was just, his body was just like sliding around in this big open space and Mm -hmm. he couldn't, you know, if he had let go, he easily would have flown out one mm. side because yep. there was just not enough mass there to, you know, to prop him in that those openings. But I remember he was next to me and just terrified the entire time. And I felt really bad for him because he couldn't do anything. He was just holding on for dear life. But that's when we were very young. I remember when Tiff and I were dating in high school, uh, like our senior year, our spring break, like my mom took uh, she and I and my little sister to um, – Universal Studios in Florida, back before like Harry Potter World, and they had the dueling dragons, and it's a cool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So my mom, I, like I mean, them. most of my family have always been really big people, and she was never allowed to ride in like the front of a roller coaster because she loved roller coasters, and I hated them as a kid, hmm. and she, I think, kind of resented me for them because she would have to wait with me instead of going to ride on a cool oh, thing. Oh, that's better. Yeah, and so she wanted to lose a lot of weight so that she could finally be able to ride in the front of a roller coaster. And she did. And she totally lost like almost like 60 something pounds. Wow. And we went on the Dueling Dragons because that one was cool because on the front, like there's there's a fire and an ice and there's two separate independent roller coasters all intertwined into one. And at one point toward the end, you like face each other and you just like high speed run at each other. And then at the last moment, you peel up to where like your feet, if you were tall enough, could maybe touch the feet of the people (laughs) on the other train. Looks like it. Man, she loved it so much. That's like awesome. that look on my mom's face of like she worked really hard to do a thing hmm. and she got it. That's cool. And it was a fun roller coaster too. Like out of all of them, like it was cool that she got to do that one. Like because the front of that one was really cool because you get to see everybody coming at you. You're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and you flip. <laughs> my mom always hated them. Um, and at some point at Kings Island, we got her to go on one. And I think it was the Beast, which was like one of the few wooden roller coasters left in the country. Mm. So super rickety. Yep. Just the entire thing just rattled. And I remember we like took forever to convince her and she went on it and she got off and she just looked at us all and she was like, never again. <laughs> in, a, in a very, my mom's like pretty easygoing and she's like super serious, never again. <laughs> walked off. All right. She did it. Good for you. Yep. I was that kid at Disney when everybody wanted to go on Space Mountain. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, let's go. And I get up to the front and just start like bawling. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get on the thing. And mm. I freak out. And then my mom's like, go stand over there. And so she couldn't go because uh, I was a minor. Yeah. And so she finally convinced me to go on a roller coaster in uh, Bush Gardens. Or not Bush Gardens, but Six Flags in Atlanta. And it was the wooden one. I'm like, this was awesome. She was like, this was the worst roller coaster that exists. Like this oh, rickety, yeah. beating yourself up, like so violent wooden roller coaster. She's like, no, this is terrible. I'm like, okay, I'll only go on wooden roller coasters. <laughs> and then we went somewhere else. We went to Hershey Park. Only go on the worst ones. And uh, there was one of the feet dangly ones. And it was really rainy. And so no one was in line. And so the people that we were with just like sprinted to the front. And I didn't have time to like protest. Oh, yeah. And they're like, nope, get on and sit down. And then they locked me in the thing. I'm like, okay, so this is happening. 
And I was like, this is magical. The oh, feet yeah. dangly steel ones. It was so smooth and like you're flying. Yeah. Oh. So from that point on, I'm like, okay, let's do some roller coasters. Nice. Cool. Well, let's wrap it up. You'll okay. Do. Sure. Um, if you guys, I don't know if this won't go out before Maker Fair, will it? Uh, no. Because we could. release on Tuesday. It could. I don't know. Whatever. That depends on. A I hope we see you people. at Maker Fair if you're at Maker Fair. And if not, then uh, we didn't. Then shame on you. <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, where can people find you? On Instagram at the PI Workshop and on Twitter at Josh Make Stuff. And you can find me and us, all of us, at I Like to Make Stuff on everything. I hope you enjoy your Maker Fair experience. That's to you, not me? them. Oh. Yeah. I hope that Anthony enjoys his Maker Fair experience because I already love Maker Fair. Yeah. True. I hope that everybody who is experiencing Maker Fair for the first time. Anthony over there, my friend Donovan from Making Geeks. I hope that it 4B. is 4B. Oh, yeah, 4B2. I hope that it is everything that we have um, hyped it up to hyped be. Hyped it up to be. <laughs> I hope it lives up to that amount of anticipation. Yep. So, what can if go not, wrong? then it's probably something you did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye bye.